2: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com.
3: No purchase necessary. BTW group. Void were
0: prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back, Tiger fans, to Rockin' Radio's football podcast. I'm Nate Edwards. That's Brandon BK. Kylie. this is Before the Box Score, and it is LSU week. Your 5-0 oh, good guy Tigers take on the and 2 bad guy tigers from LSU 11 o'clock magic's going to happen this is a game that we've circled if you want to make it magical this is one you win if you want to win eight games you can lose it but i think everyone's looking for magical bk how you doing man
3: i'm doing fantastic this is this is where things get really fun again you know i live for games like kansas state and lsu and kentucky and georgia like this is where i thrive and yeah, you're going to have heartburn during this game. Guaranteed. No doubt about it. There is no other way around it. I'm really sorry to all of you. Get the tongs, Put them next to you as you're watching this football game. Enjoy them. Eat them like candy. Because <laughs> it is going to be exhausting from start to finish. We're about to watch track meet. And those are the kinds of games that I enjoy the heck out of. So, looking forward to it. Nate.
0: Too old for this stuff, man. I, I am going to watch it from the press box. So, I am going to be reserved I am going to be cool, calm, not freak out or get too excited. But uh, it is going to be—it's going to be intense. But we will get to that later. Are you in an the
3: original, show. by the way? Before we before we move on, are you yes. an original or a smoothie style, Tom's guy? Oh, original. Okay. Original. I need my the wife really likes the smoothies.
0: I can't. That's too sweet. It's almost like candy. Yeah, I hear you, but uh, that's like, what we've got around. So that's what. Mentally, I it doesn't do anything for me because it feels like I'm just like popping an ice cream. Which it's good for you. I'm sure it is. I, I I need the chalky nastiness, number one, so I don't sure. hear too many. Number two, so I'm like, yes, this is going to heal me, yes. I, it's a me problem. There Everyone is no such thing it. as
3: too many on Saturday starting at 11 a.m. Dude, Dude. That's do that's
0: watch awesome. your intake. You don't want your stomach to bleed, <laughs> but my God, uh, pop, them, pop them as you need them. Uh, but we'll get into that. Uh, we got some... Breaking news! Uh, last time we were recording, actually while we were recording, we figured out uh, that we got a new commitment. Ah, a new commitment! Hooray! BK, you did a deep dive on this gentleman. His name is Austin Dendry. He is an athlete. Technically, that's how rivals has him rated anyway. Uh, but he is the tenth best player in the state of Arkansas. He's out of Pine Bluff High School in Pine Bluff, Arkansas, but appropriately named. He's six one. He's two hundred pounds. He's a five point six three star, and he is now verbally committed. To Mizzou. BK, okay, what did we just get with this guy? Because I see a lot of wide receiver tape, and I'm not sure what to make of it.
3: Yeah, that's what I saw too, which made it very difficult to break down what he's going to do whenever he gets to the University of Missouri. Uh the biggest thing that I think you can go ahead and chalk this up to is Missouri added another athlete. He's very fast. He's rather large. He's probably gonna play safety in college along with James and Cameron Keys and Jackson Hancock and Cam Dooley and Austin Dindy now, so I don't know how they're going to work all of this out in terms of the defensive backfield, but I think it comes down to this. They're adding lottery tickets, and the upside of these lottery tickets, if you scratch them off and it comes out that you're a winner, you win a million bucks, and I kind of like that with the approach that they're taking in high school recruiting. I think the way that they're going about it now, and I do wonder if you got them on truth here, if they would tell you this out loud, I think they're using high school recruiting as their high upside plays. And they're trying to get their – we're going to get a starter out of this guy, the floor candidates, out of the transfer portal. Because you have real tape against a lot of Power 5 competition when you're getting those guys, whereas guys coming out of high school, like, they could be anything. It could be a boat. It could be anything. It could even be a boat, you know? So, when you look at what they're getting at this guy, an athlete, that's it. Uh, I, I don't know what he's going to be in college. I do know this. He was a high school teammate with Jordan Harris – uh, the Missouri defensive, or excuse me, tight end, who played both ways in high school. They uh, helped Pine Bluff win the state title in basketball in Arkansas last year. First time they've done that since 2015. So there is your fun fact of the day, Nate.
0: There you go. Well, we like Jordan Harris so far. it has been a productive member from the tight end group. We're not asking him to hoop. We're asking him to play football. So hopefully he is as good or has as much upside as Jordan Harris does. You know, when you're looking at the defensive secondary, we've talked for about the past two years, I feel like, just the log jam at the top. There's a lot of talented guys who are definitely going to see snaps, and then there's a lot of stuff underneath that's kind of just churning. And, like, maybe you see a couple snaps here and there, maybe you don't. But we are getting to the point where this secondary is going to turn over at some point. Um, If you look at how it's broken down, I mean, technically, technically, Chris Abrams Drain can come back next year just like uh, Travis Johnson can, Jalen Carlisle can, Joseph Charleston can, and Sidney Williams can. Now, what, what are the odds that all those guys come back? Zero. Zero. That's not going to happen. But in case you do, you know, okay, that's great. Uh, but then you have like an Ennis race draw. I mean, I don't, if he keeps playing like this, I don't think he's going to stick around. He can if he wants to, you know, if the NIL is good and he doesn't get a good draft grade, but that's a dude that you are probably imagine that he's going to try and look at the NFL draft. Dalen Carnell, Drayton Norwood, Tyler Hibbler. I mean, Dalen Carnell is just starting. Maybe he comes back, maybe he doesn't. I don't know, but you can, see, you can see how it's starting to drop off once you get past the guys who, you know, might come back, have the opportunity, but probably won't want to get past that. There's a lot less proven stuff. So you need your Jackson Hancocks, your Cam Dooley, your Cameron Keys. Because it's it, that 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 bulwark at the top is going to disappear. Now you still got like Nick Deloach and Shamar McDeal in the corners. Marvin Burks, Burks we've seen a little bit. Philip Roche we've seen a little bit, but you're not going to be able to build long term around that. So this is these are your reinforcements who need some seasoning. And then depending on how the portal goes, maybe you lose one and then maybe you bring in a couple to to reinforce that.
3: Yeah, that's kind of what I'm anticipating. I, I mentioned this in my write up um, on the site. I have a feeling you're going to see at least one transfer portal um, addition this off season, either at corner or at safety, maybe at both. Um, I could see them going out, especially at outside corner going into this off season saying, Hey, we probably want to add somebody that has a little bit more of a floor to them where we're not trying to just bring in two guys on the outside that have very little experience at Mizzou. So I could see them doing something like that. And that safety at, I wouldn't be shocked if they decide to go that route as well. I think they feel comfortable with Burks. I think Burks is going to be a starter for you next year. And then the question is what do you do at that other spot?
0: I mean, Burks is good enough to play as a freshman. And we all know with this staff that is a huge, huge commentary on their ability. Because freshmen just don't see the field. Redshirt freshmen don't see the field. Sophomores don't see the field. So yeah, I think Burks is a PC builder out. Um yeah, I'm I, it's there, there is no actual answer because we're only a couple years into this but it kind of seems like the portal needs to be used to supplement maybe enhance one position group or bring up the floor in a, in a position group just add options you're not building a championship team through the portal you still got to recruit uh you still got to build from the high school ranks so yeah if they're if they're you know if it's hey super athletic three-star guys who don't who maybe don't have the list, of a blue chipper, but we think they can grow into it. Perfect. Obviously still this staff loves it's five stars. It's four stars still targets them, still gets them. Um, But yeah, if you can, if you can supplement through the portal while you're building up through the high school ranks, that's probably, you know, three years in, that's probably the best way to do it. Um, So yeah. Welcome Austin. As I tell every single recruit that we get, please sign on the dotted line uh, this December when it comes to that time. Uh, We'd love to have you. And we're very excited for you to continue your career and your education at the University of Missouri. Not the only addition to this team, by the way. Kind of a sneaky little story today that hit the the social medias. Um, When we were talking about Eli Drinkwitz shopping for an offensive line coach, I know we threw out a lot of names. We had a couple that we really liked, and you kind of went through Eli Drinkwitz's history and who he worked with and pulled out some guys, and then we talked about the, pl- the pluses and minuses of those. Well, Mizzou just added, like, what'd you say, a helper, an analyst, yeah. a, just an assistant uh, to the staff today named JB Grimes, who is a longtime offensive line coach, has worked with Eli Drinkwitz before, and apparently is being brought in to help BK. How do you think?
3: I mean, he's a guy that seems to be very highly respected around the SEC. He worked at Arkansas State under Gus Malzahn, then followed him to Auburn, previously worked at Mississippi State as well. He's He's been around for a long time, and when he was around, he's, his offensive lines typically were really good, so... I don't think it can hurt. I asked during the offseason. We were texting about this. I looked back on our text messages to find out. Like, I feel like we talked about J.B. Grimes, but I mean, maybe I was mistaken. We brought him up in March because <laughs> he was previously associated with Eli Drinkwitz, and we know a lot of his hires come down to, who did I work with at Auburn or at Arkansas State? And on this one, we, we thought he made a lot of sense if he was willing to come back and, and do another year of, of coaching. It seems like that was not in the cards for one reason or another. They decided to go... Uh, Get Jones instead. Grimes is a guy that can help you. And if it's for a week, a month, the rest of the year, whatever it ends up being, this is something that is really good to have around. And I think it tells you that they're serious about, hey, let's let's try to really capitalize on what we have available to us right now. And this is a name. This is a contact that Eli Drinkwitz has in his Rolodex. Hey, let's call him up. Let's see if he's willing to come out here for a week. Let's see if he's willing to come out here maybe stick around even longer. If he can help us a little bit with one guy in one game, that might be what determines the outcome of the game, you know? So having a guy like this around can only help you, and I think it's a really good get by Mizzou to get,
0: especially this late in the season. Yeah. And if he can help with the holding issues, the false starts, the weird snaps, why not? Even if it's just like an
3: angle on a play, right? Like he's... Maybe having that extra set of eyes on one specific play, he sees something that the other coaches don't. Like, that's the kind of stuff that you don't know what the value is on it until you have it around, you know? I mean, they they used to have one defensive line coach. Now they have two because they decided it's worth it for us to have defensive tackles and defensive and separate because of how difficult or how different the positions are. Maybe you do something like that. Maybe J.B. Grimes is literally here to exclusively work with Connor Tolleson. It's, it's like, be. hey, you're the guy that's going to be in charge of our center, or you're the guy that's going to work exclusively with our tackles, so that way Jones can work exclusively with the interior. Right? Whatever the breakdown is, that's something that can only help them.
0: There are coach, there are there are football teams in the SEC that have two offensive line coaches. Yeah.
3: Sometimes it's like easy. offensive line, like pass game versus run mm-hmm. game, right? Maybe yep. Grimes is like, hey, we need a little bit of help in our our run game. Fits, <sighs>
0: cool. Yeah. Get him as part of that, you know? Yeah. Maybe it's inside-outside, you know, the interior versus tackles. Maybe it's, yeah, run versus pass, whatever. I mean, Brandon Jones kind of has a reputation as being a good line coach, but, like, his lines hold a lot. So, I don't know. It's, it, it's not a bad thing to have a veteran offensive line coach take a look at your stuff. There's there's nothing wrong with that. It works in the business world. They bring in analysts, you know, periodically for a temporary thing all the time. There are people who make a very good living just doing Little spot, six weeks stops, and then off to the next one. So, I'm fine with it. I don't know how long he's going to stick around. If he wants to stick around for a long time, that's fine by me. But like, no, yeah, I make the most of the run that you have right now. And you know, the, the offensive line isn't perfect. It's been doing okay. Let's tweak it. Let's do a little bit more. And I'm I'm okay with that. That's good. All right, I'm going to kick off LSU just a little bit further down because I'm still hyperventilating about that but I wanted to touch on Vanderbilt one last time before we move on Judy was boring hello then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com
1: it's my little escape
0: now Judy's the life of the party
1: oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon
0: whoa take it easy Judy Judy
2: That's
0: ChumbaCasino.com.
2: No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
0: I did the beyond the box score. I did the number stain. Oh, boy. When I do success rates by quarter, that, that, that tells you when the offenses of each team were going, how often were they getting a successful play? And, again, that is defined as 50% of your yards needed on first down, 70% of the yards needed on second down, and 100% of the yards that you need on third and fourth. Right? Very standard me- measure, very easy to understand. You know The average right now in college football is about 44, 46, kind of fluctuates by the week. We'll tell you what exactly it was once the season's over. Well, Missouri, first quarter, 48% success rate. Okay, great, Awesome. Not sure how you do much better than that. Oh, by the way, they went in the second quarter 58% success rate. Then they went a 59% success rate in quarter three. And then when they were kind of you know trying to shut out the, the game in quarter four, they, they fell to a 50% success rate. Uh, that, uh, that That is incredible. I mean, the best offenses in the country, like your Ohio State's from last year, your LSU's from 2019, they were humming at like a 50 52% success rate no matter what. Missouri was doing that both 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 aspects of the game uh for three whole dang quarters, which is incredible. On the flip side, on the flip side, Vanderbilt came out strong. Remember that? You're like, oh, okay. They came to play. 43% success rate in the first quarter. Um nine. Nine percent success rate in the second quarter, 23% success rate in the third quarter. And then that fourth quarter that we all freaked out about, 16 plays, 46% success rate still weren't cracking beyond average basically uh even when they were making that furious comeback so this is just a fancy way of saying bk missouri's offense is great and bk missouri's defense is elite how do you feel
3: it, yeah it 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 kind of feels that way right um the defense does have its liabilities uh they've been beaten by the the deep pass this year. I think one thing that's kind of been floating around Twitter this week, and it's something that we have noticed during the games as well, the pressure rate defensively is there. Yes. It's getting home, like actually converting those pressures into sacks. That has been the issue so far. That's not to get too far out in front of where we're at right now, but that's not something that's probably going to improve against Jaden Daniels specifically. He's not an easy guy to get back there. However, eventually you would expect those pressures to turn into sacks. And when they do, man, this defense is going to start looking a heck of a lot better because that then creates some of those explosive plays defensively. You're creating more havoc, and now suddenly you're putting your opponent in less advantageous downs and distances. Everything starts to look a little better as a result. But that's the biggest thing for the defense right now. And then on offense, it's the opposite. You're just creating so many explosive plays that it makes up for any lack of efficiency that you have at any point. And for the most part, They've also been pretty efficient. So it makes for a fun uh, concoction that we've been watching
0: so far. I mean, Vanderbilt, to my count, finished the day with 295 yards total through the air and on the ground. 132 of that came on four plays. Two passes that you're thinking of for the first touchdown, the two passes you're thinking of for the second touchdown. That's it. And they still count. I'm not saying they don't count. I'm just saying, we, we've said this about Blake Baker for two years now. There's going to be a big play. There's going to be probably eight big plays. When do they happen? How far do they go? What's your game situation when they happen? Yep. Well, you're 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 up by a ton. And then you kept going up more as, as these happen. So, you need an offense that can respond, which Missouri now has. And you just need to make sure it doesn't hurt you too bad, which so far, five weeks in, it hasn't. It's not going to be the case against LSU. Now, I will point out, We've talked about post-game win expectancy, which is a metric that looks at how you played. You know, if you got X amount of first downs, so many yards on the ground, so many yards through the air, so many touchdowns, so many sacks, whatever. How If you get that amount, how often do you win? It's a, it's a quality metric, and it's one of those things that really drives SP Plus that Bill Connolly uses. Guys, Missouri finished with a 98% post-game win expectancy against Vanderbilt. 98%. And if I need to remind you, I will. Missouri's post-game win expectancies against their opponents are as follow. 100% against South Dakota. 91% against Middle Tennessee. 85% against K-State. 100% against Memphis. 98% against Vanderbilt. Not only is Missouri beating the teams on their schedule, they are handling them thoroughly. It's not close. Yes, the scores are close, but the quality of the play is so far beyond what normal teams are doing. This, this is an elite team five weeks through the year. And I know the scoreboard might not seem like it, but I'm telling you if this were a 60 game season, instead of a 12, you could thoroughly expect Missouri to be winning 85, 90% of those games.
3: No sweat. And that's, that's one of the things is that like, based on their scores, you, you might be like, Oh man, beat memphis by seven bk state by three beat middle tennessee by four came out against vandy okay 17 point win that's 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 impressive you might be thinking to yourself as a Mizzou fan man these margins are pretty slim like the the margin for error moving forward is is not very big it's actually bigger than you think um the the i know this is a weird thing to say because ultimately the games are determined by the points that you score Over the long run, though, Nate, I'll I'll compare this to baseball, right? Like, Mm -hmm. if you hit a ball 100-plus miles per hour off of the bat, and you hit it as a liner towards right field, right, and there's a second baseman who's just in the exact right spot, who jumps up, makes an unbelievable catch, and snags that ball from you, right? You don't get a hit for that. It's a zero on the batting average. Go 0 for 1 that day. The same guy... Goes up at the plate the next time around to dribbler over towards the second baseman and it just, it barely even moves. Just barely gets into the infield uh, dirt. Find a way to beat that out to first base. It goes down as a hit. If you continued doing that over the course of the season, both of those exact same at bats, which one is more likely to produce good results over the long run? It's the liner that's screaming towards right field that did not result in a hit. But that guy's 0 for 1, and the other guy's 1 for 1. So Mm -hmm. BK explained these results to me. Results lie sometimes. Sometimes the process is more important than the result is. And that sounds weird in a society that is so driven by results. But over the long run, what I'm telling you is it's just like a business, right? A business that has really bad underlying metrics. If you're in the stock market world, you're going to look into those things. You're going to say, Hey, we don't want to, we don't want to invest in this long-term. Our yeah. clients should not be investing in that because over the long haul, that's a losing proposition. However, if we look at this thing over here that might right now not look like a very good business, the way that it's operating, we've looked at all of the stuff underneath the hood two years from now, that's going to be a winning proposition. We're going to bet big now and two years we'll win with our margins. That's basically what Missouri football is doing. They're doing all of the things underneath the hood that you expect a winning team to do. And over the long haul, I'm willing to bet on that despite the slim margin that it looks like they have right now in terms of the overall points. The yards, the yards per play, all of that stuff that's under the hood, that all looks really good right now. They're hitting screaming
0: liners to right that are almost getting
3: caught every time.
0: (laughs) But they're not. They're not. And so when you play well and you win, that's easier to it's easier to stomach. If we were we we're having this conversation as Missouri, it was two and three, you'd really be on our butts about this. But like, they are doing really well now. Let's let's flip this. Let's talk about this week's opponent, LSU, because they're sitting at three and two. And you go, okay. So you enter the season with like playoff aspirations, SEC crowns in your eyes, and you can't even get out of September without two losses. Well, I mean, part of that is who they play. And they did play number eight Florida State at the time, which I believe is, yeah, the 18th best team in the country right now. Probably going to be winning the ACC. Probably has an inside track to the playoff. Okay, cool.
3: fifth, if you look at the AP polls. Right. It's a legit opponent that they're going to play. Legit opponent. college football playoff type of team.
0: Undefeated. They played Grambling State. We love love the FCS team, but that's not going to happen. Mississippi State on the road beat them 41-14, beat Arkansas 34-31, ah, okay, and then just lost to Ole Miss on the road 49-55. Now, what were their postgame win expectancies? Well, against Florida State, in which they lost you know, 45-24, it was 4%. 4%. They played one good half and then got smoked. Grambling State was 100% because, of course, it was. Mississippi State, 100%, okay, 41-14, pretty thorough. Arkansas 34 31, 78% win expectancy. Okay, maybe it was a little closer than it should have been. Okay, fine. And then Ole Miss 66%. Like the offense played well, the defense did nothing, nothing at all to provide any ability to win that game. So LSU just lost to a team in Ole Miss that plays very similarly to Missouri on offense. Mm-hmm. And they lost on the road. And now they have to go back on the road. 11 o'clock, it's going to be kind of chilly. You now have mostly nothing to play for outside of a hope and a prayer. And you're going to go up against that same style of offense? Look, we'll get to LSU's offense in a second, but this defense, this LSU multiple national championship school of Nick Saban blue chip LSU is a 100th or worse in almost every single major metric you can think of when it comes to defense. Rush defense, pass defense, standard downs, passing downs. They give up more points in the <laughs> per scoring opportunity than Akron does. And this is a team that had run recruited for five years. That Brian Kelly has recruited for two years. They're starting six transfers that started somewhere else on defense because who they have isn't good enough. And they're still getting their butts lit on fire. I'm not saying Missouri can name their score, but my God, it's going to be all gas, no breaks for the Missouri offense this week. So I'm a
3: Chiefs fan, right? Yes, you are. The defensive coordinator at LSU, his name is Matt House. He was the Chiefs linebackers coach for three seasons. Yeah. Nate, do you know how much uh, improvement we saw from the Chiefs linebackers in those three seasons?
0: Oh, anecdotally, I'm going to say zero, Zero. almost Ah, (laughs) zero.
3: It was horrific. They, he got brought in as this like, Oh my God, what a great get by the chiefs. This is the defensive coordinator from Kentucky. I can't believe they were able to pry this guy away from a really good situation that he's in. He gets to the chiefs as a position coach. It's Like, all right, well, man, they've got a well overqualified uh, coach for this spot right now Th- these linebackers are gonna be amazing imagine how well they-, they sucked they stunk they were terrible horrible in run fits didn't get any better they drafted guys every year in the second round never saw much improvement even nick bolton who you know i love i love nick bolton he didn't really get any better under matt house So you had Willie Gay, who ran a 4-4, and you had Nick Bolton, who's this unbelievable guy with these crazy good instincts, like the perfect duo who should be feeding off of one another, and they can't seem to get it right. Well, then he leaves the Chiefs to go be LSU's defensive coordinator. I am convinced at this point that Matt House has been living off of the reputation that he earned Mm -hmm. as basically the guy that had the position underneath Stoops at Kentucky, Mm -hmm. where he didn't really have to do a whole lot because Stoops (laughs) runs that defense. And we know Stoops is the guy that's going to make sure that defense is great every single season. And now you look at what's happening with LSU. It's like, dude, what are they trying to do? Like, what is the goal with your defense right now? Because you don't create havoc. You're not good against the run. You're not good against the pass. You do basically nothing well right now. I mean, everything that they do is in the like right around 100th nationally perspective. I, I can't believe how bad they are defensively. They have too much talent to be this bad on that side of the unit.
0: They're pretty good at third down, but the problem is that their opponents aren't ever in third down. Like they just, nah, we're not doing that. Like if you get us in third down, congratulations, you won. Uh, and then they just, you know, whatever. They they'll get them the next drive. It's it's interesting. So when you look at their uh, their projected depth chart, this is it's not a problem, but it's something that's interesting because we all know in the in the transfer portal area you can find gems from the FCS. I'm like, why are you playing there? You should be up here or you know G5 or guys who are buried on a really talented team, and you pull them out and boom! All right, hey, you should have been starting. You just couldn't get in front of them. like that has worked for Missouri before. It's worked for other teams before. I'm not knocking any of this stuff, okay? but we all know that Mekhi Wingo, their starting defensive tackle, started at Missouri. He was Mm -hmm. awesome at Missouri. He's awesome at LSU. I'm still upset about it, but okay, good for him. We know that one. Their starting rush end is a guy named Ovi Ogufo, who started at Texas, could not see the field, and immediately started at LSU. Uh, Omar Spates is their starting inside linebacker. Same thing, kind of buried on Oregon State's roster, which Oregon State has good defense, but like couldn't really get on there consistently, came to LSU. Their starting corner, starting corner is a guy named Zai Alexander, who for four years played at Southeastern Louisiana. Their other starting corner is a guy named Andre Sam, who played at McNeese for four years, played at Marshall for two years, now is at LSU and is a seventh year graduate. Oh my God, he's our, he's our age. Well, I'm ancient, so he's your age. Let me. He and Tua Tagovailoa were in the same recruiting <laughs> class. So is in his fourth year with the Dolphins. So, okay. What recruiting class was he in? 17. 2017?
3: You got to look at who was in the 2017 recruiting
0: it's, class. It's a trip, buddy. You should go back. A lot, not a lot of good quarterbacks, but a lot of good players. Anyway, he's still in college. So, like, you have. LSU was renowned for their defense. They're the swamp monsters. This is when when Saban was there, even when stupid Les Miles was there, they would just always field the most dominant defenses in the SEC. And now they're pulling in FCS guys to start in your pass defense. And oh, by the way, you stink. That
3: was Larry Roundtree's recruiting class. Whoa, baby.
0: <laughs> Andre, get a job. Yeah, get, out and get a job. <laughs> it's time. Get that doctorated kid a job. Um, Chad Bailey, who's been at
3: Missouri for a hundred years, was recruited the next yeah. year. The next year, yep, he was an eighteen kid. God.
0: Sorry, go ahead. anyway. It it shows, and the other problem is, and we talked about in the last show, putting your players in a position to win. Harold Perkins was the best rusher in the country last year. They moved him to inside linebacker, which he does not do well with contact. They moved him back to pass rusher for Ole Miss, and he stunk up the joint. So I don't know what you do with the most dynamic freshman to hit the SEC in defense in years. I don't know what you do with a FCS two FCS call-ups on your corners. And, you know, there is a sad story of Greg Brooks, who has, like, the most rare yeah. form of cancer, which is an awful story. Uh, but he's not playing, and his backup is in. So it's like you have – Kind of an underwhelming starting uh, five in your secondary, and also you can't stop the run. So I don't know how they got to this point, but Brian Kelly, Matt House, buddy, you guys, you guys got, got to figure this out.
3: Yeah, you got to figure it out. And the problem for them, the good thing for Missouri is that they're not doing that in season. Like it's it's not getting changed now. They have to win games in track meets every single week because it's a bad defense that's not getting better. Man, like there's not a there's not a scheme fix for. This kind of personnel issue, Um, you can make it a little better. You can start utilizing your players in the way that you should. Like for example, Harold Perkins. Like when you've got one of the best freshmen in the country who succeeded as an edge rusher, maybe don't move him to middle linebacker. That's weird. Uh, Definitely don't do that. Yeah. But otherwise, like, man, they're just they're they're a bad defense and. That is something that Missouri can and should take advantage of. They're 120th in EPA margin so far this year. They're 107th in defensive passing success rate. They're 92nd in defensive run success rate. They're 120th in net points per drive defensively. Like it's everything you want to look at. They are awful so far this year. Now, some of that is because they've gone up against Florida State and Ole Miss and Arkansas. Those are good offenses that they've gone up against. Most yeah. of it, though, is that they are bad. And Missouri, it turns out, quite good offensively. Yeah. Good enough to take advantage of all of the things that we just mentioned. Unfortunately for Mizzou, Nate, we've mentioned oh the God. things that LSU does poorly. They also do something incredibly well which is the same thing that Missouri does incredibly well, which is, like, score the football. Like, find ways to move the football consistently. Their offense is real fun. It's so weird because they are, like, the anti-LSU that I would think of in my head, but they are run and shoot, quarterback, go make your plays, and we got a good running game as well this year. We got a couple of receivers that are dynamic, This is a really fun LSU team that creates really fun football games.
0: Yeah. And really, I mean, it it is a very typical LSU offense in the fact that their offensive line is elite, especially those tackles. Um, You know, they have a two-star transfer in at right guard. But other than that, like, every single guy on their offensive line is a boot chipper coming out of high school. Um, But really, you know, I saw the... Brian Kelly released the injury report on Monday and there are like four receivers that were like probable or questionable for Saturday, which take that as you will. It doesn't matter because none of the names were Malik Neighbors or Brian Thomas Jr., who are basically the LSU version of Luther Burden and Theo Weiss, almost to a freaky comparison, like exact split thing. Now, Jaden Daniels is a little bit more mobile than Brady Cook currently, um, but he also likes to just, hurdle himself into painful situations and get the snot knocked out of him. So whatever. Point is, is that this offensive line lets this offense do almost whatever it wants. Whether it's rushing, they're the fifth best, whether it's passing, they're the third best, standard downs, passing downs, whatever you know, points per scoring opportunity, they're they're elite across the board. I can't find anything that they stink at, um, which is not great. Um so you are going to see Theo and Luther tear it up. And then they're going to go to the sideline and you're going to see Malik and Brian tear it up. And everyone's going to be like, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, So this, it's going to be very stressful. I will say this. And it's college football. So it doesn't really matter, but we all talk about who you played and who you ain't played. So let let's, let's just throw this nugget out here. Missouri is going to be the best defense that LSU has faced so far this year. Let that sink in your brain. Mizzou, your Missouri football fighting Tigers are going to be the best defense LSU has seen all year. It's currently Florida State is 25th and Missouri is 18th. So if that holds any weight in your mind, hold on to it, embrace it, give it a little good night smooch, because that's about all we got going for us right now.
3: LSU scored 24 against Florida State. Yes, they did. I don't expect that to be the case against Missouri. Agreed. Um the over-under, the point total in Vegas right now is set. It opened at 63 and a half. Not surprisingly, it has been bet up to 64 and a half. Yeah, yeah. I, I, still, Nate, weird still. things happen in college football. Like, this is why they built those big old casinos out in Vegas. They made a lot of money on people like you and me. I don't see any way this goes under. Like, it, it feels like it would be impossible for this game to go under 64 and a half. That's a 34 to 38. I don't know how this stays that low, dude. Like, I think it's going to be re- very close. And like, I think the first team to 40 might still find a way to lose. I think it has that kind of potential in terms of being a shootout in this one.
0: So the only answer I have is that LSU and Missouri both ranked near the bottom in the nation in possessions per game. They're at, like, 10.3 right now. That's really the only thing I can think of. How and, much of that, though, is because of opponents? Well, I mean, that's part of it. Like, that's not that's not an opponent-adjusted stat. That's just what it is. Right.
3: I, I would just be curious, like, because, like, you think about Vandy and the way that they want to play. Like, some of the teams that Missouri has played so far this year are are as much about success rate and, like, continuously K-State. moving the chains.
0: K-State, South Dakota. As, South Dakota.
3: as they are... Yeah. Like trying to um, hit those explosives, so I, I do wonder if maybe that is something to do with it. I don't know.
0: I mean, it's something that Vegas throws into their fancy sure. equation. I don't know if you rip that out when you go. Oh, both teams only throw haymakers. Like we're it's <laughs> going to be like three plays per possession. Okay, like
3: that's I, the thing. Missouri I, doesn't have long drives. Like the last the last game against Vandy, I think they had like a six minute drive or something. It was like one of the first times they've done that all year long. It was a four-and-a-half-minute drive. It might as well have been 25. Like, their their scoring drives are all under three minutes. They had a 14-play, yeah. this is it. 14 plays, 69-yard, 5 minutes and 45-second field goal drive to yeah. open up the game. I was like, oh, my God, who is this team? This is a slog to watch right now. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's that's the only reason why I can think that they're thinking, oh, yeah, i be, you uh, know, 30, yeah, 34-30. Like, I don't no, I don't. I don't think so. But like you said, weird things happen. And when two, you know, just sh- how it serves meet up, sometimes it turns into a slap fight between the crews. You know, I I don't know what's going to happen here. I also, you know, would like to point out because it is college football. You will occasionally get a really bad defense that is chock full of former blue chippers coming out of high school. And they stink up the joint for the entire year, but like one or two games a year, they go, oh, right, we're supposed to be good and like have a dominant performance. That happens, okay? I'm not saying it's going to happen here because a lot of these guys were not blue shippers coming out of high school, I can tell you that. Um, But occasionally you do get transcendent performances from from defenses that should be transcendently good for whatever that's worth. I I just – I can't help but think when Missouri's offense is on the field – you're gonna be fanning yourself and just like, oh my god, I need a drink. And then when LSU's defense is on the field, you're just gonna be huddled up and like just make the bad man stop. And <laughs> just it's gonna be it's gonna be an up and down affair, man. It's gonna be bad. It's gonna be so much fun.
3: Oh my god. We have such different perspectives on a game like this. Like, so here's the problem. Here's the problem. Huh. The reason why it's gonna give you heartburn is because every time you don't score on a drive, you're going to feel like you just lost the game. Yep. And Nate, let's have the drink with conversation, shall we? Oh my god. Yeah. Eli, you don't win this game with field goals. <laughs> Eli? Oh. Uh... You don't win this game by punting from the from midfield on nope. fourth and 2, nope. with an opportunity to be able to go up by a touchdown with 5 minutes to go. Eli? I know Thicker Kicker made it from 67 yards. I know that's not the actual number, but it felt that way. Don't do it. Mm-hmm. Don't kick that field goal. If it's fourth and two or fewer, you have a good offense. You put them on the field. Kirby Moore is a good offensive coordinator. You give yourself a little bit of credit. You've got some good play calls as well, some good designs. Go out there, find a way to get the ball into your playmaker's hands. Brady Cook is trustworthy. trustworthy. Luther Burden is an excellent number one wide receiver. And you have other guys that have shown they are more than capable in stepping up in big spots as well. You have to be aggressive in this game. This is the type of game where you steal possessions. And if you can do that offensively, man, you got to do it. You've, you've got to extend drives. When you get on the other side of the 50 and you're getting close, if it's third and five and you've got a play that you think will get you four, like for sure, Mm -hmm. take it man and then Mm -hmm. get there on fourth you treat that as if you're in four down territory that is what you have to do in a game like this because yes it is chasing points and yes you need to do it it's gonna feel bad in the moment and if you don't get it it's gonna hurt because you're gonna say man we left that possession empty-handed we could have had three there yeah but three is almost a loss as well because the other team very likely to put up seven going the other direction you gotta be aggressive
0: you need onside kick onside kick if you get the look, take it, you know, if you get the ball back, you know, at the end of the half and you're not going to get a possession to start the second half, go get it. Even if you are going to get it, see what happens. I know he kind of got ridiculed for the, for how he handled the end of game or sorry, the end of half against Vanderbilt where he's like, Oh, am I going to be aggressive? Or am I not going to be aggressive? Like, yeah, you need to figure that out. But like, if you want to be aggressive, go for it. Like, Get, it, get some points and then get the ball back. And now you're sitting in, you know, 17, 20. Like, yeah, that is the right answer. That is how you squash an opponent. That's what you got to do. And you have the offense to do that. Um, yeah, be aggressive. Be aggressive. And I, I know he doesn't listen, although apparently he heard that we called him a coward. So whatever, bullying works. But th- this is the game to do it. When you have a blue blood in town and you're trying to make a statement, that is when you pull out all the stops. And he has shown the propensity to do that occasionally. I agree. This has to be the game where that happens.
3: I just hope that he actually does it. I, yeah. I, that is one of my bigger fears in this game. Cause I kind of feel a trust in this offense right now. That makes me a little squeamish. <laughs> like I, I think we kind of know who they are and. They've shown us now for multiple weeks in a row that they're going to continue to be that. And they have the talent to be that. And that's maybe why I've gained the trust. Is Because like you look around, you're like, okay, they've got blue chippers now that are playing like they're blue chippers. So I, I feel good about that. But man, every week I'm reminded about Eli Drinkwitz kind of going up into his shell and just continuing to be that conservative coach that he's been. And in a game like this, when you have the opportunity to put like Mizzou's up 24 to 17 mid third quarter, you're at the 35, it's fourth and two. That is a spot where you need to go for it, dude you got a chance to go up multiple scores midway through the third and really put some pressure on the opposition where you kind of know what the game call is going to be. Like they, they are suddenly put into a game script where they got to be very, very pass heavy. Now you can get your defense out there with Blake Baker, who's going to be able to get some of his blitz packages going. Like it just changes the way that both you and your defense are able to then call the game for the rest of the way. If you get it right. The problem is Drinkwitz thinks about it of what if I get it wrong? Yeah, he thinks about everything through the lens of if i don't get it here then blank and very rarely it appears at least from the outside looking in thinks about if i do get this then blank and those are two different perspectives on the way to coach football in general just philosophically speaking that leads you to very different decisions and my hope is that against LSU, where he's got a chance to go out there and really put a stamp on this season, dude. Missouri could be like a top 15 type of a team if they go out there and get this win this weekend. And they will have national attention where people are talking about them in the conversation of the SEC East, which puts you in the conversation of the college football playoff. That is what is at stake this week. Yeah. But you got to do it. You got to go out there and do it. And I just, I that's that's maybe the number one thing that I don't have confidence in going into this week.
0: I mean, it's it's eighteen and twenty-two year old kids, like the psychological part and how you handle that does so much at this level. And right now, I mean, you are five and zero, and you are the underdog at home by a by a touchdown. By the way, to a three and two it's team, crazy, it's crazy to a three and two team. Something to prove. They, they say something to prove. You have this team bought in right now because you could legitimately say. No one believes in us. No one thinks we can win this game. You are underdogs. STP, show it to me, show it to them. You have that ability right now. And if you go out there. They put this game at 11 o'clock. They yeah. thought this was a worse game than Kentucky playing. Everything is got the chip right where it needs. On the chip man, on the pizza man, on little Schrader, on our little muscle hamster, Cody Schrader on our defense that chip is whap the new ranch ones the tasty ranch ones they're right there okay so now you got a coach like that and they're they're very they're very fragile emotionally cuz they are kids technically so if an interception happens the first one of the year uh-oh if the big plays aren't connecting uh-oh like if you if you don't go for it and you're and Brady Cook gets mad or the the fans get mad Uh Uh-oh, at the same time, this is an LSU team that has lost multiple times in very similar fashions. And if you go up 14, uh uh-oh, they're feeling it. Like, we've seen this before. If you just keep dropping bombs on them and converting fourth downs, uh uh-oh, they're getting frustrated. This is how it happened the last two times. Like, what are we even playing for? You need to unravel them mentally by being aggressive. You need to keep your team bought in mentally by being aggressive to keep that narrative. It only benefits you. I don't care if you don't get it. I don't care. Because if you don't get it, you're saying, I trust my defense enough to stop them, even if I screw it up. And you're putting your offense in the best position to win. Okay, maybe Harrison Mevis feels slightly, slightly because he doesn't get the kick. I don't care, Harrison. Go, go eat your thicker burger. We'll get to you next week. This needs to be all touchdowns. You need to be averaging like, six points per trip, and the only reason it's not seven is because you missed one, okay? That's that's what it has to be to keep that aggression, to keep that narrative, and to put emotional pressure on a team that is just looking for a reason to check out. That's what you have to do. How are you feeling? Not great. (laughs) It's Missouri in a big spot. I'm not going to be able to eat right until it's over. Key State was a big spot. I was uncomfortable
3: all down week. Their
0: throat. I was uncomfortable all week. You know this. Indeed. I did not feel good until that 61 yarder snuck through the uprights, man. Like I just, and even then I thought there was a penalty. So I, I, no, don't ask me about big games. I, I have a tummy ache until it's over. How are you feeling? Oddly good. Good. You were feeling oddly good last week too. That's, this is good. Um, I think this team's really good, man.
3: I do. I just, I they could lose this game. Like, don't get me wrong. M- Missouri, they could abs- – I think this is a 50-50 proposition. I think either team – like, they're – I think they're mirror images of each other for the most part. I think Missouri's defense is a little better. Um, I think LSU's offense, if we're being just totally honest about it, is probably a little better than Missouri's. Awesome. Um, Better line. And I think overall, it kind of comes out of the wash. I think they're-, they're pretty similar. But Mizzou being at home, Missouri having so much to prove – them being in a position where everything is still on the line, LSU being in a position where they're playing for very much less than what they expected to be at this point in the season. It all gives me belief that like all of the intangible stuff pushes me towards Missouri. All the tangible stuff pushes me towards 50-50 game. Mm -hmm. And that leaves me in a spot where I'm thinking to myself, man, I I think Missouri is going to win. Like I, I would take, Mizzou in this one next week's weird because I I don't know about that Kentucky matchup. We'll we'll talk about that when we get there. But this game specifically because it is very much a same versus same. I think I like Mizzou in this one, man. I really Uh do. That's good. I also just hate Brian Kelly so
0: much. Yeah, he's he's a pos. I can't wait for him to be out of football. Um, Go coach in the NFL. I don't want you in the college sports. But he can, he can put a team together, man. And I hate it, but he can do it.
3: Yeah, I don't know. What you got score-wise? Oh, God. All of the points to slightly fewer points.
0: 48-45. 48-45.
3: You got to put Mizzou. a name next to it, or are you just going to say Tigers win?
0: I'll say Mizzou. I'm not going to cop out. 48-45. What are you going to say?
3: I mean something very similar. I I would go like 4137.
0: What was uh was it 4035 in 2020? Ooh, good question.
3: By the way, that would be it would be so just poetic if it ended similarly. It was 4541 that time around.
0: 4541. Mm-hmm.
3: Okay. Yeah, I could see something like that. I could totally see that. Goal line stand. Oh my god. Oh Oh, before we get out of here, probably writing about this this week. Yes. This is a chance for Luther to get national attention in a way that he hasn't yet. Yes, This is the type of game where Luther putting up 200 yards receiving wouldn't be crazy to believe um, because there's going to be a lot of offense to be had. Mm Mm-hmm. And if he continues to do that, and you've got five straight games of him at that point having 100-plus yards receiving, and the only game this year in which he didn't have 100, he had 96 because he basically like wasn't targeted in the second half. If he does that, and he picks up a couple of touchdowns, and one of them is like win the game potentially, you're going to hear Luther Burton as a Heisman hopeful after this week. That's going to be stuff that you start to hear. I think what I'm going to do is look into what the wide receivers did um, from this point forward when they were not winning the Heisman, because we've only seen that like, two of those, but in one in the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. But the guys that got votes for the Heisman, what did they have to do to get on, on either onto that stage or just onto those ballots? I think Burden's potentially on his way there but he's got to show up in these kinds of games. He's got to have a big game against LSU, back it up with a big game against Kentucky, and then back it up with a big game. Georgia. If you can do that in those three games, you're on your way to potentially being in the Heisman conversation. This
0: week is the start of that, though. You also got to be in title contention, yep. which, again, this week would go a long way to putting you towards that. No pressure, Luther. And everybody. Or Missouri. Just Missouri in general. Uh, I know there's been a uh, an online push, I will say, to getting fans into the stands early. Uh, for for my standpoint, I I say do what you want. This, this is America. If you want to tailgate till eleven thirty, tailgate till eleven thirty, whatever. I will say though, there are multiple blue chip recruits that are going to be in the house. There is a noticeable difference between a packed furrow and a 50 to 75% packed for Mm row. And, again, if we're talking about emotional pressure, both on LSU and that Missouri is benefiting from, having the stands filled at 11 when the foot meets the the ball and it kicks off and you got that full for row thundering, M-I-Z-Z-O-U, the hill is packed, everyone's screaming, that is a good impact. So if you can afford to pound your, I don't know, what are you drinking in the morning? Are you going to do with bloody marys I guess or margaritas? I don't know what you're going to do. You can put if you can pack that down and get into the into the stadium at like 10 10:45, okay? We're going to cut you short just a little bit. You get in there and pack it out. It's going to be very memorable. It's going to be a, a very an opportunity for a magical moments.
3: Don't be me in 2013 walking into the stadium as a very hungover student as Missouri and Matty Mock throw a big pass down the sideline to LaDamian Washington against Florida in what will eventually go down as one of the most memorable games of that season. Don't don't be me from that that. game. Get in there early so that way you can remember when Luther Burden scores his first touchdown against LSU.
0: Do that. And that's going to be our show for today. It's the last you're going to hear from us until the game against LSU is over. We are very much looking forward to talking about whatever the heck happened, because it's going to be, again, all gas, no breaks. But as always, we appreciate the downloads and the subscriptions from you guys. Leave a comment or rate us. We'll have all types of feedback. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Edwards. He's at BKSportsTalk. Of course, you can follow the Rockin' flagship at Rockin' Nation and our podcasting outlet at Rockin' Radio. We appreciate you tuning in this time. We'll try to do better next time. And until then, M-I-Z.
1: Z-O-U. Thank you, everyone, for tuning into Rock M Radio, a proud partner of Fans First Sports Network. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to see more, just like it, being directly into your personal device, just click the subscribe button below. Beep. Uh, and you can find this podcast through the Apple Podcast app or for iPhone, the Google Podcast app for Android, or whatever app you use to listen to your podcast. Uh, we are also available on Spotify. Just search for Rock M Radio. Uh, And if you like other sports, Fans First Sports Network uh, is a podcast network that has uh, coverage of all other teams, Major League Baseball, uh, MLS, uh, NFL, whatever you want uh, to listen and and read about. It is a great, great network full of really fantastic podcasts. So look them up and subscribe uh, to any and all of those podcasts. Uh, Rock M Radio will be back with more episodes coming soon. Thanks.